Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast, on which I today have Sean, Sean Rosenstiel, who is the founder of Savvy Pro Web, based in the US. Um, Sean, welcome to the Technology Podcast. Could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Elias. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. So I'm Sean Rosenstiel, founder of Savvy Pro Web. Uh, you know, so many companies have websites that cost them incalculable amounts of missed opportunity. And we build sites that ultimately increase credibility, generate more leads and win new business. Cool. So that's what we're going to talk about the next 20 minutes is the, the mistakes when hiring a website vendor. You have a, a list of, of probably over 10 mistakes that a lot of companies make or have made when, when they selected a website vendor. Um, let's let's just start off with the, with the most important one. So what, what kind of mistakes do people or companies make when they select a website vendor? Yeah, I think the, the most costly mistake that, that I've seen, Elias, is when we hire a vendor that positions our company as sort of the hero in the visitor's story, right? I, I think it's the most cost, costly mistake of all. So a lot of website vendors aren't really familiar with influence and psychology mm-hmm. and messaging, and they position our companies as the hero in the visitor's story, but the visitors come to our website and and they ask themselves, you know, does this company get me? Do they understand me? Do they have what it takes to to solve my problem, right? And when visitors see themselves in the hero as the own sto- their own story, I mean, they, they see them, we all do. We wake up every morning and we're the hero in our own story. We have our own problems and we're looking for thought leaders and or guides to help us yep. solve the problems, right? Absolutely. So when we position ourselves or our business as the hero, it's a fatal mistake. And, and ultimately I think it costs businesses tens of thousands of dollars a year in, in missed opportunities. So I always recommend that if you're looking to hire a website vendor and frankly, Elias, any marketing person, whether they're creating your business card or they're developing your new brochure or your flyer or whatever it might be, um, that you hire someone that knows how to position your company. And a little bit before we press the record button, we were talking about story brand and how powerful that framework can be as a messaging and communication tool, right? Absolutely, yes. The, the 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 language that you're talking is I, I refer to it as Donald Miller language, like yep. with the yep. the hero and the story, etc. So we're going to talk about that as well because what it um, brings up to here in my, in my in my mind when when selecting a lot of uh, well, I've been in in a lot of selection procedures with companies that wanted to have like a, a new website and they're selecting an agency to build that website. There is like a split of basically based on background of those agencies. The ones you you refer to that have a marketing background, but there are still a lot of agencies that have a, I think, a design background from from let's say a more like a print design that that merges that emerges into online design, and that that those are let's say the design companies that don't have that don't necessarily have that marketing background. Is that something you recognize as well? Absolutely, Elias. And the worst offenders I see are IT companies. Mm. <laughs> you know, I, I right. I always recommend that we stay in our own lane. 
you know, and we don't offer things that don't serve the clients at the highest level. And I see a lot of IT companies that provide IT support and technology and infrastructure and their clients are asking them, hey, you know, can you also, our website, that's technology. Can you also design and develop our new website? And of course, after so many of these requests, IT companies think, well, why not add this revenue stream? You know, why not add this complimentary service to our to our line? We can do WordPress. That's right. We can do <laughs> WordPress. So I, I see them as being the worst offenders, not to call IT companies out. We have a lot of referral partners who are amazing IT companies who, you know, understand their unique abilities in the marketplace mm-hmm. and would prefer to just refer that out, which we, of course, uh, appreciate. We do the same thing. You know, we don't know anything about email hosting, <laughs> for no. example. You know, we don't know anything about firewalls or security and all this stuff. So we 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 know to just you know stay where we belong and and refer that out to the experts who can do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, tell me tell me more about that story brand framework because uh, I'm pretty familiar with it, but some listeners might not be familiar with the story brand framework. Um, apart from the customer being the hero of your story which in essence is is a, is what it's what it's about i guess what what else is important in that framework yeah if i could boil it down into one word elias it would be empathy you know we're we're, we're missing empathy from our marketing and if you go to your if you have a, you have a company you have a website go to it right now and take a different look at it and see whether or not you are empathizing with your prospect, with your customer, with your website visitor. Nine times out of 10, what I find is that you go to any website out there and they do nothing but talk about themselves. They talk, they, they boast about their credibility. They, they beat their own chest. They display testimonials, awards, accolades. All that stuff is important. It's a, it's a small piece of the overall, you know, the, the recipe. It needs to be there as an ingredient. But what we, what we need to do more of is talk to the problems that our visitors had. We, we, we have to talk more about the problems that, that exist on multiple levels, not just the surface level problem, which as we know in StoryBrand, it talks about the external problem. We need to talk about the internal emotions that our visitors or prospects are going through. We need to talk about the philosophical problem. You know, what's, what's really wrong with this picture? Why, why shouldn't we have to deal with this or what what ought we, you know, what should we experience instead, or what do we deserve instead? So we have to dig a little bit deeper than just the surface level problem. But I find that oftentimes companies aren't even talking about the problems they solve enough. And it doesn't even have, we don't even have to talk about a website conversation here, right? We can talk about your response when someone asks you, what, what do you, what is it that you do? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you do? And we say, well, we quickly try to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so we we have a, we were working with a, a, a real estate group out of Chicago, and instead of saying, "Well, we're we're realtors," or "I'm a realtor," or "I'm a real estate agent," that doesn't necessarily describe the problem you solve. And when you're communicating with someone, you need to throw out some information that they might be able to to grasp onto and resonate with. And if you don't talk about the problem first, they have nothing that would suggest that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I have that issue. Oh, that's relatable. That, that's relevant for me. So rather than saying I'm a real estate agent or I'm a realtor, they actually start off by saying, well, you know, you know, so many people live in homes that don't meet their current standards of living. 
Well, we believe that life's too short to live in a home you don't love. So we help buyers and sellers in this area find homes that better fit the next chapter of their lives. That's a totally different conversation. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's something I think a lot of salespeople will also tell you. I think it was Mike Weinberg, uh, the, um, one of the best-selling authors within sales, um, that also teaches salespeople to do the same when prospecting. A lot of, a lot of salespeople will do the same that marketers do on their website. They, when, when approaching a prospect, they will, they'll just list all the services that they, that they basically offer. It's like, we do this and this and this, and we, we're very good at this and this and that. Um, whereas if you, if you would just approach people and say, Hey, um, we work for companies similar to yours, maybe some competitors. And these are the three challenges that we have solved for their marketers in our case. Sure. Um, sure. And, and we, we have three that we solve for, for marketers. And that, that's always like in, an over half of the prospecting that you do. People are, are very open to those kind of calls instead of, hey, can, I, can, can we talk about your online marketing? Can we talk about your website? Can we sell you a new website? We're very good at building websites. Right, uh, we we right. don't do that, but I'm just filling that in for you. But um, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's a mistake that has, has made so, so often. Well, and I, you're absolutely right. And I love what you know, Don says in building a story brand. He talks about, hey, do you remember going on a date and the person sitting across from you did nothing but talk about themselves the entire time? Mm -hmm. you, know, you can't wait to get that check. And we're making that mistake with our marketing and sales collateral. You know, when you go to, again, go to your website, how much are you speaking to the problem that your visitor is experiencing? And how much are you talking about yourself? Mm -hmm. And again, when I'm, and I see this all the time, nine times out of 10, I'm like, oh my gosh, they could really use an overhaul <laughs> you know, with yeah. some of their messaging because yep. no one wants to be in a conversation, a dialogue or visiting a website that does nothing but talk about themselves. You're sitting there thinking, wait a minute, you know, what's in it for me, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what other, what other mistakes do people make when they select a website vendor? Yeah, gosh, I think another one is a lot of times I, I see entrepreneurs hire vendors that say yes to everything. Um, so you have to appreciate that at least the clientele we serve, you know, these are high growth entrepreneurs, they're visionaries in their companies, they drive culture, they have all the ideas, they're moving at the speed of light. And the danger, though, is when they do hire vendors that say yes to every single request along the way. You know, why do vendors say yes? Well, of course, it increases the scope of the project. And, you know, why, you'll, you'll wind up with a larger invoice <laughs> at the end of the mm -hmm. rainbow, right? But by saying yes, you know, they're, they're running the risk of postponing the original project timeline. And, and, and often what I see is, you know, website launch dates are tied to very important events going on in, in the life of the company. So we always recommend that you're, you know, you have the vendor explain thoroughly the scope of work that's included in the project. And also they need to understand your vision. They need to understand the company's vision, the goals, how this website supports the company's vision and the goals. And then they also need to be able to hold you accountable to that vision. And they need to hold themselves accountable to that vision. And if you're working with a vendor who, you know, says yes to all of your requests, that's actually not such a good thing. What they should be doing is challenging your thinking 
and asking whether or not implementing these suggestions will move you closer or further away from that initial objective, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you talking about uh, technical stuff here or is it um, uh, also about content or the way the, the website looks? It's everything. Everything. Okay. I mean, I, I think it's everything because what happens is you, you come up with an initial scope, everybody agrees on it, but then a few weeks go by and it, it can change. It's called scope creep, right? We're all familiar with that. It can change. Mm -hmm. And a lot of vendors won't have the, I don't know if it's courage or what, but I feel like vendors do a disservice when they allow clients to add on to the initial scope, because again, they're risking the deadline. Yep. And what I see time and time again, especially with website projects, because they are so fluid and they, you know, it's not like you print a thousand brochure, you know, when you, when you do a brochure, it's done, you print a thousand copies, it's set in stone, it's sitting on the desk, it's a physical tangible item. Well, the website is fluid. You can add as much to it or take away from it as you want. So what I see so often is the initial Launch date is 30 days out, 45 days out, simple website project. And before you know it, it's six months down the road. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and these entrepreneurs spend two, three times as much as they initial, initially thought they would. Yep. And they're actually not happy with the finish. It, it ends up being this Frankenstein monster, which, which won't serve your company. You know, you started off with this simple concept that's going to be super focused and it's going to convert visitors well. And it's a clear idea, clear messaging. And before you know it, if you're working with a vendor that just says yes to everything you throw their way, you end up with something that's not going to serve you. So what I always recommend doing is having sort of an ideas or an issues list to the side. And as ideas come to fruition, you say, that's great. And you set it aside. Let, let, let's talk about that in phase two, but let's hold the line on this first phase. Like a next let's version or something. That's right. Yeah, let, yeah, we can do add-ons later, but right now we don't want to risk, you know, uh, extending the deadline. So let's keep phase one as it is, and these ideas can go over here. So we always throw these ideas back over the wall to our clients. We say that, that's that's a great idea. We think it's brilliant. Everything else, let's talk about that the week after we launch the website and decide after a few weeks if that's still a good idea and if that's still something you want to implement. And we find time and time again, we circle back and they're like, nah, we're, we're, we're over it. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. It was kind mm -hmm. of a knee jerk idea. I wanted to throw your, you throw it your, you know, your way, you challenge it, which I appreciate. And you know what? That That's not necessary. No, no. Let's do one more because, um, um, you know, I, I, I have some more questions to to to, uh, to ask to you. But let, first of all, I'll give you you the floor. And let, what what's one more very important mistake that, that companies make when they hire a website vendor? Yeah, too many vendors don't think in terms of ROI. They look at the time and the money that you're putting into this new website as a cost rather than an investment. And because of this, they're not sensitive to the fact that you should be getting a return on your investment. This is an investment. When you go to do a new website, we need to look at this as an investment. So we always need to ask vendors what type of a return you're likely to see on this website investment. And if they don't understand that question, or if they can't answer it for some reason, you need to find another vendor who can. Your website vendor should understand and ask you the right questions as far as, you know, what is your current website getting as far as visits every month? What's the conversion rate? How many leads 
is required to con convert a deal or to close new business? What's your average client lifetime value? Uh, how long is your sales cycle? We, we developed a really simple tool called the website opportunity cost calculator. And it actually, you know, within five minutes can give you a really good look on, okay, what is my existing website truly costing my business as far as missed opportunity? And then should I invest in a new one? What are the ROI projections and how long will it take me to recoup my investment, you know, break even and ultimately begin generating that, that positive return. Mm -hmm. So we have to work with vendors that think in terms of ROI because they're, well, what they're doing is they're putting, they're expressing that empathy, right? They're putting themselves in your shoes and they're, they're, they're kind of joining you and saying, okay, you're going to invest money in this new marketing tool called a website. What do we need to have happen in order for you to generate that positive return? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One thing I might add, add to that is the TCO, the total cost of ownership. Because mm -hmm. uh, what I often see is that like some short-term goals or savings are made, which result in very costly, let's say, procedures afterwards to, sure. to, to let's say, correct things or whatsoever. Um, talking about that, is there, are there any, let's say, technical pitfalls that people can fall into when they select a website vendor? Is there something they would have to, that you can say, you know, don't do this or should focus on that? Technically well, speaking. Yeah. Again, I think you have to take, you know, everything to each his own. I'm a big believer in, you know, what works for some company may not work for another company. So you have to take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. And you also have to, you know, really appreciate and, and own your own circumstances. But four years ago, we, switched from WordPress as a platform to Squarespace. Mm -hmm. What we found, again, based on the clients we serve, which are these high growth entrepreneurs, they're moving at the speed of light. They look at their website like it's a necessary evil and it's causing this like uncertainty. They just don't know what they don't know. And we, you know, our mission is to help them make better, more informed decisions, not only around their website, but ultimately all of their digital marketing activities. So we moved from WordPress because we saw a lot of clients incurring major costs as far as ongoing maintenance mm. and hosting. TCO. And yeah, that's right. Ongoing <laughs> maintenance, hosting, yeah. and you know what it takes to upkeep that open source technology. And we thought, gosh, th these clients of ours, they have you know, home services businesses like HVAC or plumbing or electrical, they're, they're insurance brokerages or they're, they're in the financial services world or they're in the real estate world. They don't necessarily need this robust platform called WordPress. They need more of a, you know, 24 seven sales machine that just works and they don't even have to think about it. That, that's really what they value. They just, they want to be confident that they, their businesses look professional online all the time. So is there another solution out there? And we ran across this technology company called Squarespace. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for the cost of two coffees a, a month, Squarespace offers, you know, award-winning design templates that's, that can be custom tailored for everyone's brand. They offer, you know, reliable hosting, bank level security. They're a publicly traded company now. So we, we, we moved over to Squarespace about four years ago. And we've never looked back because of the simplicity, because of the reliability, because of the professionalism. And that 
really saves our clients a ton of ongoing costs, you know, in year two, year three, year four. And what's really neat about it is they have a direct relationship with Squarespace. So we're not handcuffing them in any way. And the platform is so brilliant that they can manage in-house 100% mm-hmm. of their website's content should they choose to. Great. So that they can save on those ongoing, you know, maintenance fees and those ongoing editing fees and, you know, waiting upgrades. on someone else to, yeah, yeah. They're, Missed upgrades. <laughs> that's right. And the compatibility issues. I mean, in two or three years, if we're all sitting here holding triangular smartphones, yeah. you know, Squarespace has got you covered and it won't cost you a dime more. So we just thought we 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 love this idea that we can activate a client on this platform and they have total confidence and total peace of mind. And while we're not, while we're not, um, you know, generating that, that, that ongoing hosting revenue and that ongoing maintenance revenue and the upgrades and the security and the vulnerability, frankly, we don't want the headache. I'm wired just like my clients. Like I I don't want my client emailing me or calling me at 2am saying their website's down. That's not the business we're in. You know, we're in the results-driven website business. We want to build websites that generate leads, increase credibility, you know, book more calls, get more instant quote requests, schedule appointments, you know, whatever it may be. Conversions, right? Conversions, (laughs) that's right. Like we're in the business of results. We're not in the business of babysitting technology and making sure that, you know, a a, a URL on a website isn't broken. Like we we just, we're not staffed for that. That's not what we do. So Squarespace for us took a massive headache off of our hands. And while it, while it also reduced the amount of ongoing, you know, recurring fees we make off of our clients, you know what? It's in the client's best interest. There's a better, better solution out there. And, and, and we went for it and we've never looked back. Cool. I love it. I love the way you explained that, Sean. And thank you very much for this um, the, the, these tips that you shared on the Marketing Technology Podcast um, on your website. And I'll add a link in the show notes. There is a uh, document uh, that people can download with all those mistakes. Um, it's on Savvy Pro Web. I'll, I'll uh, add a link to the show notes. I will also add a link to your LinkedIn profile so people can link you on LinkedIn. Please, if you link uh, Sean, please do mention you have learned about him on the podcast because otherwise he'll might he might think you're a spammer or someone that wants to connect. Like we know <laughs> we all know that. Uh, just mention you've you've learned you've you've listened to the podcast, etc. But uh, Sean, I want to thank you very much for being on this show. Hey Elias, thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.